Welcome everyone to the Weekly Discussion Podcast. My name is Pastor Kyle, and it is so good to be back with you all. I know that I have been gone from this podcast uh, for several weeks. I'm very thankful to Pastor Holly, Pastor Scott, and Pastor Nikki uh, for leading so well here at Crossview over this last month. Uh, as I've been away, my family and I were on uh, a family vacation for a couple of days, and then we were gone. My wife and I uh, were gone at the end of July um, to what's called General Conference uh, 2023, and uh, we'll talk about what that is here in just a moment. But before I do, uh, I, I Pastor Holly is away this week. And uh, I have a very special guest who, if you've listened to our discussion podcast before, you will recognize his name and his voice. It is Pastor Ryan Wilson, who is the lead pastor in Dearborn, Michigan. Hi, Ryan. Hey there, Pastor Kyle and and all your uh, listeners. Uh, It's always so good to be here having uh, these conversations, and I'm excited about the conversation we're going to have today. Yes, absolutely. And you know, Ryan and I were just talking and and uh, it was one of those kind of moments where it was like, okay, we started talking about the content. What are we going to talk here about? Where are we headed with this conversation? And then we're like, okay, just press record because it's so good already. <laughs> so much fun. Um, so uh, Pastor Ryan and I, we both had the privilege of attending a general conference uh, over at the end of July. And so for those of you, we've got a number of people, uh, Pastor Ryan, who are um, who are part of Crossview, who some of them are newer and just getting to know more about our Free Methodist family, our larger Free Methodist family. So I thought it would be good just to kind of talk briefly, real briefly, about what General Conference is and how what it how, why it's important in our our Free Methodist structure. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Right? So every four years... Uh, delegates and uh, really anyone of our free Methodist family can go to what we call general conference that happens every four years, right? Yes. Every four years. It's the, the national meeting uh, of, of representatives from across the U S and some parts of the world. Uh, And it is the uh, national meeting that happens every four years where we do the business of the denomination. It's the highest level work of our denomination that happens at this conference we call General Conference. So, and we talk about some really important um, theological issues, things that uh, you know give some clear um, identity language to who we are as a faith family. That's right. Uh, we will, yeah, and we 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 work through some of those theological things that not, might need to be addressed or clarified or those kinds of things. People do that. Delegates will do that by what's called resolutions. You can write a resolution to say we need to update this language or we need to change this or we need to be more clear here. And so then delegates from across the U.S., uh, it's very orderly. It's really kind of fun to be a part of. They debate and then we vote together, and then that's how that goes forward. We do a couple of other things. We elect our highest level leadership uh, for the denomination, so we elect bishops, uh, and we elect what's called our National Board of Administration, and our, bis- our, our bishops, there's three of them. They're called the Board of Bishops. They work together. So the Board of Bishops and our National Board of Administration work together to lead our denomination across the U.S. and in many parts of the world. And at this general conference, history was made. In our 160-year uh, 
history of the Free Methodist Church, we voted our first African-American bishop. So yeah. it's a great day for the Free Methodist Church. It's a great day for the Free Methodist Church. And in fact, this we've had two uh, pretty historic uh, elections for bishops in a row. So this conference that just happened a couple a week ago, and then the the previous one in 2019, where we elected our first female bishop uh, in our in our history. So we've had two pretty historic uh, bishop elections here um, in two consecutive uh, general conferences. So I'm really it's really cool uh, to see these changes happening at the highest levels of our denomination. Right. So I don't know about you, Pastor Kyle, but what I loved the most about our uh, general conference meeting was the prayer that went into this meeting and the, the theme of what we are asking God to do through the Free Methodist Church. And really, I think in, in my heart, and I know your heart as well, is to ignite a spirit-filled movement of God. Yes, exactly. And this is where, where Ryan and I are getting all super excited because, you know, sometimes if you have ever been to a conference and especially like a church or denominational conference, um, they'll typically have a theme for the conference um, to kind of focus uh, the thoughts and uh, the speakers and all of those kinds of things. And sometimes, at least in my experience, sometimes those are good and sometimes you can kind of take it or leave it. But this one, in, uh, this one specifically, really inspired me. I didn't know what uh, quite what to expect around the theme of General Conference, but I think that, and I said this last week, and I know you, this is your experience too, Pastor Ryan, but I think that the Lord is doing something uh, in a really cool way in the Free Methodist Church, um, uh, and, I, and I hope that this works down into all of our local churches. I think the Lord is brings, bringing some renewal to His church, uh, for his purposes on on the earth, and the theme of general conference was to ignite a spirit filled movement. Uh, and oh man, I was so inspired by that, and I thought that that they did an incredible job of sharing their heart for that. And I so hope that this can work uh, down into each and every local church that calls Free Methodist its faith family uh, for the work of God over this next several years. Right. And, you know, as we begin to talk about this spirit-filled movement, um, I begin to ask myself, well, what is that? What's yeah. that about? And how can we as a church become a spirit-filled movement? Again, because the church um, really isn't a movement anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're seeing growth in some churches, in, like in the big church uh, in, in our in our world, but by and large, I mean, what's the average size uh, of a free Methodist church today? I think it's like 75 people. Right. Um, and it's not always about the numbers. Right. But um, can we, do we consider ourselves the church of movement today? Yeah. And I don't think we're quite there yet. Right. You know, and it's kind of fascinating because like, and we see this over, over history that movements tend to institutionalize. Right. And so, uh, as you kind of, you structure things, things start as a movement and sometimes pretty powerfully, like, you know, we just looked at Acts chapter two, uh, this last Sunday and some of the beginning of the early church and the kind of 
spread of the gospel through the movement of God's Spirit in the hearts and of, of people. Um, but then over time, and this is true of the Free Methodists as well, it started more as a movement, and then it institutionalizes over time. So to have our, inst- in our institutional leadership say, okay, you know what we need? We need to get back to a movement-type uh, feel and experience. I'm so excited for that. I'm all for that. And so this question that you've been asking, how do we do that, uh, is yeah. a really good one. Yeah, and so what, how I've been encouraging my church uh, lately, uh, we've been looking at First uh, John, uh, uh, and in First John chapter four, verses thirteen through sixteen, John is telling uh, the people and 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 us who are reading it today. Um, I think one mark of the uh, movement of God is when we realize, when the followers of Je- Jesus realize that God lives inside of us, not just outside of us. Yes. In fact, in those um, few verses there in 1 John 4, 13 through 16, John mentions it three times. <laughs> when you want to tell someone <laughs> something that you really want them to know, you tell them over and over. Yeah. Again. I don't like when I tell my kids to take out the garbage. Hey, take out the garbage. <laughs> take out the garbage. Right? Yes. But, well, well, John does the same thing here. He says, we live in him and he in us. We live in him and he in us. We live in him and he in us. Oh, man, so good. Right? And so to become a movement of God, I think the church, we as followers of Jesus, have got to grasp that, that we have the Spirit of God. In fact, 1 John 4, 13, it says that God has given us his Spirit as proof that we live in him yes. and he in us us. And so we have the very Spirit of God who uh, raised Jesus from the dead living in us. And I think when we can grab a hold of that yeah. and live in Him, yes, well, I think a movement begins. And in fact, yes. I mean, don't get me preaching here. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a guy by the name of John Wesley back in 1738. In fact, it was May 24th the evening of 1738, yep. uh, John Wesley was attending a prayer meeting at Aldersgate uh, in London. And he had this personal encounter yeah. with Christ and his life was changed forever. And he would go on to write in his journal. He said this, in the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate <laughs> Street. I love <laughs> it. I love it. How many of us go unwillingly yeah. to church? Yeah, yeah, Someone yeah. just brings us, we don't want to be there. Well, that was him. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it says he was, some, someone was reading um, ju- just this uh, book of Romans. Yeah, the introduction and, to the book of Romans. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even the scripture <laughs> right. yet. And, and he went, went on to write about a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. Yeah. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Mm. And, you know, that experience has been called Wesley's evangelical conversion. Yeah. And his brother, by the name of Charles, who wrote many of the hymns that we still sing today, had had uh, his own experience, his own personal encounter. And here's the thing, Kyle, um, movements begin 
when people have personal encounters with Jesus. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and that's so good. And, you know, this ties so well into what we are doing here at Crossview. We've started a series a couple weeks ago on the Psalms, and we just talked yesterday about Psalm 63. And, um, and this is this, uh, this, it's this really kind of well-known Psalm of David. David's kind of going through it a bit. He's, he's in the wilderness. We're not sure, um, if this is like, uh, when he's trying to escape and run away from Saul, or if it's later in his life when he's trying to escape, um, Absalom, his son, um, who, um, is taking over the kingdom. But anyway, in any of whether no matter what circumstance it is, these words are so powerful, uh, especially when we think about what it means to have a personal experience with God and God's Spirit. David writes this, God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this dry or in this parched and weary land It feels where it feels like there is no water. And then he says, I've seen you in your sanctuary. I've gazed upon your powerful glory. He's reflecting about his time of experience of God uh, in the temple. And then he says, your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. Um, just so good. So, so good. good. Uh, and I, I think you're right. I, I mean, I think... I also, yeah, we we have to have this experience of the power of God's Spirit in our lives, and we have to long for that and desire that more than we desire other things that are, uh, you know, that we enjoy or that are, you know, that are things of this world. And uh, it's so key that we have that spirit-to-spirit connection with the Spirit of the living God uh, to ignite this movement. You know, I love this quote by Steve Addison uh, in his book called Movements That Change the World. Yeah, He says, history is made by men and women of faith who have met with the living God. <laughs> and that's that's what you just read there from, yeah. from David. He, he, he longed to meet with the, uh, with the living God. Yeah. And as we talk about David and, and then as we bring it into um, the, the life of John Wesley, um, David reminds us, and John Wesley's life reminds us of this fact that movements are not built on people, but on Christ. Yes, absolutely. And they're built on Christ and the work that he does to free us up from the things that chain us down. So one of the other things that we heard a lot about in General Conference um, that we know is, an, is another characteristic of, of, of movements beginning and it's a characteristic of when humans come and have this encounter with the living God. It's the fact that we need to be willing to come uh, humbly. We need to be willing to ha- to to repent and confess. Um, and I know those things sound not fun, <laughs> and for some people, it's it's tough. But um, one of the things I think that are is a is a is a very important aspect of this is when we can come to the Lord and say, Hey, listen, I'm really sorry for the way that I've tried to take control. I've tried to use my own plans and, and strategies and stuff, uh, to, to make something happen. 
please forgive me. Forgive me for all of my sin, all of the ways that I've turned away from you. I'm turning back. Now let's go. Yes, for sure. You know, one prayer that I've been praying is from Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24, that says, search me and know me. You know, um, test me. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting life. And I think if we want to see a movement of God, we've got to begin praying like that. God, search me. Yep. Um, Know me. Uh, Point out those things in my life that don't glorify you and then then get me back on the road with with you. And we see when we are honest with God and and when his church is honest with God um, and when we recognize his spirit is in us and a movement of God can um, begin. So it's all about having personal encounters with God, not just showing up on Sundays and just, you know, gathering together, uh, um, you know, what, the church is not a club, right? Um, not like an add-on to our life. It's not like a net Netflix subscription that we just, you know, maybe have one month and oh, I don't feel like, <laughs> you know, it's not. It's good. No, we we we've got we've got to press in to God together as a community of yes. faith. And so, not only do we have uh, need a personal encounter with God, but um, I love this book called Marks of a Movement. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, the author points out that also a mark of a movement uh, is built on prayer. Yes, built on built prayer. On- That's huge. Um, we what what we'll do here, at least at Crossview. You just mentioned this really good book. Um, we will uh, have it as one of our our further study links down below. So if you're listening to this po- the discussion podcast on our weekly resources page. Um, on our website, our Crossview website, you you can get a link to this book down below. But highly suggest uh, you get that and read this as well, um, and uh, and let the Lord work in your heart on that. So yes, Pastor Ryan, say more about what you're thinking well, about prayer. Yeah, you know, I had a lady come in and talk to me this last week, and she was obviously mentally uh, disturbed, and I felt like uh, she had um, a spirit of fear in her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really couldn't understand the things that she was talking about. And I just said, can, can we, uh, can I pray for you? There was another person praying with me as well. And she said, yes. And, you know, she went from talking a hundred miles an hour to strange things that we couldn't understand that didn't make sense. But when we began to pray, she began to weep mm. as she should over the situation that she's in. She began to cry like, um, like she did when she was a little girl as, she, as, as, as any normal person mm-hmm. would in her situation. And I just felt in that moment, as we began to pray, um, she was being freed of things mm. and movements in people's lives and in churches begin when people pray yes. because second second corinthians 317 reminds us that where the spirit of the lord is there's freedom that's right there's freedom. and i believe in those moments she was ex- experiencing that yeah and and that's exactly uh what happened in john wesley's life yep um as he began to pray um uh, he he i love this quote by him he said that prayer 
uh, was the grand means of drawing near to God. Yeah. And he, he listed prayer as one of the chief means of grace, as, as he called it. And he would spend what seemed to be countless hours each day seeking the face of God yeah. early in the morning, throughout the day, late in the evening. Um, he said to be a Methodist, I love this, is to pray yeah. without ceasing right. and whose heart is ever lifted up to God at all times and all places. Yes. Um, and he went on to say that, you know, prayer uh, is the chief way in which we encounter and commune with the living God. Yeah. And that's where we find freedom yes. right there. Yes. You know, and I don't know about your experience in churches as you've either grown up or as in your in your journey in the pastoral ministry, but often prayer can feel like something we just tack on to the end of a meeting or we include in um in in certain things because maybe we feel like we have to. Um, but I feel, but you're right on, and we've talked about this here at Crossview too. But the idea that prayer is like is is to our walk with God, like breathing is to our life, right? Uh, we we have to make this. Uh, we have to have extraordinary prayer where we're connected with God's Spirit, walking in step with His Spirit day by day. We have to commit together as a faith family every time we're gathered in whatever setting, whether that's small groups or board meetings or Sunday services, to make prayer a priority because it's in prayer. Um, you know, I think one of the main kind of uh, misunderstanding about prayer is that you might think, oh, it's just asking God for what we think we need. There's maybe an element of that, but it's mostly it's in prayer where we are shaped into what God wants for us, what he has for us. And so if we if we come to prayer with the right type of attitude, we are shaped by God in that prayer um, and then sent out through the power of his spirit. Yeah, and I think we're missing something as a church uh, sometimes when we gather for prayer meetings. You know, um, I think a lot of people don't want to come to prayer meetings because it's boring or maybe it's a gossip time. Yeah, yes. <laughs> or... Or, um, yeah, they don't really expect anything to change. Um, yeah. Or we're just praying about, um, like, a bunion on our neighbor's foot or something, yeah. which is <laughs> which is all fine, right? We need to pray for those kinds of things. But I think we are missing something. I think we're missing the heart of God. I'm reminded in Acts, right, when... Jesus told them to wait for the Spirit. And what were they doing when they were waiting for the Spirit? They were praying. They are there in the upper room. And so some new language that I'm thinking about and using is upper room prayer. I think upper room prayer is a little bit different than usually how I've been taught to pray. Yeah, Uh, I think upper room prayer is is you know, coming and expecting to be met by the spirit that will melt my heart. Yes. And uh, that's exactly what happened to, to Wesley again, like January 1st, 1739, it was considered as the Methodist Pentecost. Yeah. That's right. He was with a few friends with Whitfield and, and his brother Charles was there and about 60 other people. And he said about three in the morning, as we were continuing in constant prayer, the power of God came mightily upon us in so much that many cried out for exceeding joy and many fell to the ground. Wow. I haven't 
experienced yeah. that per meeting at my church. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and as soon as we recovered a, a little from that awe and amazement at the presence of his majesty, we broke out with one voice saying, we praise thee, O God, we acknowledge thee to be Lord. And again, I think that story reminds us that movements start yeah. in the upper room of yes. prayer. Yes, absolutely. This is so good. We could talk about this forever. So, uh, Pastor Ryan, we only have a minute or two left here. So we've talked about uh, the idea of the the importance of being a Spirit-filled movement. movement. We've talked about personal encounters uh, with God. That's a vital piece. We've talked about the idea of confession and repentance. We've talked about the idea of this extraordinary upper room type of prayer. Um, and I might just add one last thing. There's lots of elements to what makes a movement, but if these are good starting places. One of the things that kind of captured my attention, um, and you, you, you see, we talked about this in a number of different places at General Conference, but you also see this in the Marks of a Movement book and in a number of other uh, people who write about um, the idea of what makes movements. But it's that this experience that we've been talking about is for all of us. So... One of the key aspects for igniting a movement in your local church is to understand what they what that it it's it it it's going to take all of us, not just the pastors, not just the ordained clergy. In fact, it's often called non um, non ordained leadership or lay leadership or uh, local leadership. It's going to take each and every single person stepping into what God has for them, using their gifts that God has given them by the power of God's Spirit, to change the community. It's going to take all of us. And I think, at least in my experience, and I know in a lot of our experiences, uh, a lot of the expectation of what makes a church function well and and those kind of things, the people in general, not everyone, put that on either clergy or staff. But it's got to, it's got to work its way into the heart of every single person in our local communities doing what we're talking about today to ignite this movement. Amen. Well said. Well said. Man, I love this conversation. Let's keep it going. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, Okay, well, uh, we're going to be done here on our discussion podcast, but I just want to encourage you, uh, go, you know, feel free to take some time, uh, read that book, look through the resources, listen to the message from yesterday, whether it's at Dearborn or here at Crossview. Let's enter into what the Lord has for us. And uh, I know that uh, our Our communities can change by the power of God's Spirit as he ignites this movement in each of us. Thank you, Pastor Ryan, for joining us today. It is always a pleasure to talk with you. Yep, we'll do it again and go Hawks. Yeah, yes, yes, go Hawks. All right, see you, everybody. 